Hello and welcome to episode 230 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley, as always, joined by Bryson and Jacob. I'm back to Ottawa after a little weekend travel to Toronto, saw games with Jacob. Bryson, you weren't able to be there, but the Blue Jays are celebrating taking two of three from the Baltimore Orioles. They dropped the third one in quite dramatic fashion, but overall a series you can be happy with and a stretch of eight games that you can be happy with taking five of eight against Tampa Bay and then Baltimore. Bryson, Jacob, how are you guys? Doing good, Mark. Glad you guys enjoyed your weekend at Rogers Center. I assume you guys had a really good time in those two games on the weekend. But like you said, a good series, a good homestand in general. As, uh, of course, they win the series against the Rays. They win the series against the Orioles. The playoff push continues. And you got to like where things sit despite how they lost that game yesterday on the Sunday. Yeah, overall, it was a good performance. And I think the key is, and I was thinking about this yesterday, you almost swept the Orioles. And realistically, if it wasn't for one bad performance, you would have won that game. And it's a bad performance by somebody who's been lights out all season. So I'm not concerned about it at all. You win the series, you're still leading the wild card race. And at the end of the day, you're now facing the Phillies. You got Yankees after that. You're still looking to be a very good competitive team and most likely make the playoffs. Let's start with what we were just talking about, and that's Jordan Romano blowing a save in the ninth inning of yesterday's game on Sunday as we're recording this. And yeah, you guys mentioned it. He's been one of, if not the best closer in certainly the ALE, certainly on the Blue Jays, maybe the American League, maybe you can stretch it to the National League as well. He has been phenomenal. He's, you know, prior to yesterday's game, he had saved 32 of 32 opportunities at the Rogers Center. And Yesterday was the first time he had ever blown a game in his career at the Rogers Center. Um, what is your frustration level with Jordan Romano? Because I think most fans right now kind of just understand that this is what happens. You cannot be perfect day in and day out every single time you take the mound. And eventually, push is going to come to shove and you're going to mess up at some point. And we know kind of what went wrong with him. Um, he relies on a slider. He's been relying a lot on a slider lately. And it seemed like the Orioles were just kind of sitting on that pitch. And then to add to it, um, his slider was flat and seemed like his velocity wasn't totally there. So there's a couple of different factors going on, but it seems like that was the reason why he struggled so much, why the Orioles were able to capitalize off of it. And ultimately, I think most people are in the same place of not blaming him for his performance because it's going to happen every once in a while as a reliever. You are going to have a blow-up appearance that doesn't go as planned. And I think that's what happened on Sunday. And Ultimately, we can move past it. We know he's been phenomenal. We know entering that game, he had an ERA below two or just around two. So he's been phenomenal for the Blue Jays. You can't blame him for his performance. And this type of thing is going to happen for a Blue Jays reliever, for any reliever. See, honestly, I'm not worried about this in the slightest. You know, you look at Jordan Romano. He's been lights out all season long. He's only had a few blips, maybe a couple early in the season, a couple in the middle, a couple in the end. It's not really something that you can worry about. He's been an all-star. He's been consistent all season long. His fastball has always been fast, you know, up in the 90s, the 100s. His slider has definitely been doing what it's needing to do. Like, he's been a good pitcher all season long. Ideally, yes, you sweep that series. You know, you are winning the game. You And at the end of the day, they lost by one run when he gave up three. So he, outing was still a little bit worse than, you know, even we just, it's not like he gave a one run or two runs. It wasn't a good outing by any means. He had the bases loaded, nobody out, but I'm not worried about this by any means. He'll come back. He'll do a lot better. 
The only thing I hope isn't the case is maybe the whole 40 saves is his goal is getting to his head a little bit because last thing you want to do when you have, I think, like 16 games left or something like that to try and get six saves or he's at 33, I believe, right now. So last thing you want to do is try to get a save in every other game that your team has or roughly something like that because I'd rather him save games in the playoffs than have him attempt to get 40 saves in a season. That would be a great thing, obviously, but I just want him to focus, have that day off, on Monday, which you're probably listening to by now, go into it, maybe get the series off if you can. But at the end of the day, I'm not worried about him by any means. He's been one of the best relievers all season long. You know, we've had concerns about almost everybody in the bullpen, but Jordan Romano's never been one of them. And if he does have a bad outing, I think it's fair to say he deserves it because, or he deserves the benefit of the doubt and he deserves to not get reamed by it or reamed for it. So He'll bounce back. He's been up. He doesn't even really need to bounce back. He just had one bad outing, work through things, get a couple days off, and hopefully he comes into this one. I know the Blue Jays have the series against the Phillies, which two games, then you have the Yankees for a big series. I In an ideal world, he maybe doesn't even pitch in this Phillies series. You can have him completely well-rested for that Yankees series, but yeah. It's, not, uh, it's the Rays next weekend. Rays and yeah, okay, so... Yeah, I d- it's not the end of the world. Like he, he'll come back, face those AL East opponents, and he'll bounce back. And it's not something that I think really anybody should be worried about. If he has another bad outing, you think, oh, well, this isn't looking a little, a little great, especially right beside the playoffs coming up. But this isn't something that anybody really should be concerned about. And even if it was a flat slider, even if it was not locating the fastball, he's done it all season long. And I really don't think that there's anything to worry about going forward. Yeah. I, I don't want to say it, it's an overreaction uh, from certain people who are, I guess, you know, for anybody who's kind of freaking out. I don't really think anybody is. And on top of that, I don't really think anybody should be. Um, you know, coming into this appearance, Jordan Romano, I believe it was 33 appearances he's had at Rogers Center where he hasn't blown a save. So this was obviously history because this was the first time it's ever happened. And I think that was kind of, you know, a little bit, I guess, just the shocking part about it. But you guys are talking about it. You know, his stuff wasn't there completely. I just, as much as his stuff wasn't there, I'm still not really convinced in terms of that being the only reason why it didn't work out for him. Because there's been lots of opportunities this year. And what I mean by that is there's been opportunities this year where he's pretty much had, or he's had, you know, appearances where the velocity has been down, uh, where the slider's probably been flat as well. And he's gotten through it. I think something that, you know, I don't want to call it a whole hard excuse, but I think something that we should take into account too is that this is, I think pretty much the third time in three weeks that the Jays have seen the Orioles in terms of just being familiar with each other and seeing so much of each other th- this entire month. You've seen that with the Orioles. You're going to see it with the Rays, especially next weekend. Um, and especially those two teams, even in August and September, I guess those are the teams in the AL East that you've been playing the most. So they just had a series in Baltimore last week. You have a series here this weekend. You know, you, you were talking about it, Mark. Uh, I think Chris Black, somebody that you mentioned on this podcast before, really kind of dove into those numbers about having just the splits of what you've seen and how even as the year has gone on, and especially as the calendar hits September, the usage of the slider has completely or is continued to elevate um, again, going into September than it was even in August. But of course, as a whole, in the second half, it's pretty much lean that way. And the fact is, Jordan Romano hasn't changed anything since uh, the All-Star break. He's been leading on this pretty much split the rest of the way. And as much as the stuff wasn't there as much, maybe the Baltimore Orioles just had a good idea of what was coming because of the amount of times that they've seen him and the opportunities that they had against him because of that. I, I think that's something that 
should be taken into account for it. And I think it's just something where Romano didn't really adjust in time or, or when he did, it was too late, obviously, because the damage was already done. But you have to imagine going forward, if that's the case again, and you kind of have an idea of where things are going to go early on in an outing or an appearance. And it just felt like pretty much when he let the first two guys on, it was immediate trouble. And even after the first guy went on, you just knew it wasn't going to be a smooth sailing, um, I guess, closing situation. Not saying he was completely going to blow it from there, but you just knew that things weren't going to go smoothly and there was going to take a little bit of hard work to get out of this game. And that's exactly what happened. But of course, it went the opposite way and the damage was done and you allowed a couple runs and you blew your first save ever at Rogers Center. So it was kind of too late at that time, I think, when he had to adjust. And going forward again, if that's going to be the case, you have to imagine the next time around he's going to adjust again. And I'm sure the next time around as well, he's going to have better stuff. So I just think that's kind of a factor here that you should take account for it. Again, I don't want to use that as a complete excuse, but I think just the amount of times that they've seen each other the past couple of weeks has really given them an idea and really given them a plan forward to you know, try and, I guess, maintain a guy like Romano and try and hit around him and try to, you know, get some damage done on him. And, of course, that's what they did on the Sunday game. Um, the other thing, too, is I think this would be much bigger of a deal if, of course, a team like the Orioles were, were within maybe two or three games of the last wild card spot. And I think the other thing that worked out this weekend was the fact that the Mariners did drop a couple games to the Angels and, of course, the Rays lost a game. Um, and I think that also kind of helped things a little bit. If things didn't go the Jays' way in terms of the out-of-towns forward and the Orioles were really close in this race, I think we'd be a little bit more kind of you know pissed off about what happened just because it's going to be one of those things where you don't want to look back at the end of the year and say that was the one thing that kind of costed them or that was a really a big opportunity that they blew. And, of course, there's been lots of opportunities this year where you can look back on that right now. And a prime example for me is that Angels series when they got swept at home. But what I'm saying is I think if pretty much the circumstances were different with the Orioles, if things were even more tighter than they are now, I think this would be much of a bigger deal. And I think the fact that the Jays have played really well against a team like the Orioles over the last couple of weeks has kind of given you, you know, just the opportunity to, I wouldn't say brush it off, but just to kind of, or kind of just move past it. And you can do that and still be successful. You can do that and you still have a chance to be, of course, that first wildcard team as they are right now, I believe. Um, I believe they are right now. They are right now. So things are still looking good for you right now. Jordan Romano is going to be fine. We talked about how good he's been in the second half of the season. And you got to have a short memory and move on. Yeah, and we talk about like the need for the Blue Jays to build up that lead in the wildcard race and all that sort of stuff. And this is why. It gives them the room to make mistakes and lose games that you should be winning, but thankfully, you know, they entered this series or exit this series or had at some point a seven game lead over the Orioles. Like that's what those games are for. It gives you the room to allow you to not be perfect. You can make these mistakes and still be very comfortable. And obviously you don't want to make them in the first place, but it gives you the room to do it. It means you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be better or as good as the Orioles or, you know, six games or less worse than the Orioles over the course of the you know next 15, 16 games of the season. So that's what those extra games do, and that's why we talk about it all season in terms of building up the lead. So it is comfortable, it is good that the Blue Jays do have that lead where a game like that isn't disastrous, where they won the previous two games, they're still building up ground in that wild card race, and you have other teams who aren't doing well as well in terms of Seattle um, not playing as hot right now, and then 
you know, Tampa Bay kind of keeping pace with the Blue Jays um, a little bit behind the Jays in the wild card race. Um, I do think the point of Jordan Romano's exposure to the Orioles is interesting because that could be a problem down the stretch and especially in the playoffs in a wild card series or in a division series. Like if the Blue Jays end up playing Tampa Bay in that wild card series, they just had a five game series against Tampa Bay. They have three more games this weekend coming up against Tampa Bay. Should the Blue Jays be concerned about overuse of Jordan Romano against Tampa Bay? Because they've had all these series, they've had all these games late in September, and they have the potential to see the Rays for three games that will decide both of these teams' season. Like, is that an area of concern for the Blue Jays? Should they be worried that Jordan Romano has been exposed to the Rays? Or even, you know, the Mariners a little bit earlier this season, I don't think it's as much of a consideration because it's been a couple months, and, you know, all things considered... Probably not as big a deal, but especially with the Rays, and especially if you get into the division series and the seeding shakes out to the point where you are facing the Yankees in the division series, is that something the Blue Jays should be worried about? They have a couple more games left against the Yankees down the stretch. So these are considerations that, you know, to be honest, I hadn't thought about that as a factor, but I think you're right that exposure and familiarity with AL East rivals is going to become an increasing factor, especially as we get into the playoffs and some of these really important series. I mean, it is a good point, but to be fair, and this could be the wrong take to have, but it's, it's kind of obvious what Jordan Romano throws. Like we know he's going to blow you by with the fastball. He's, we know he's going to have that slider. Same thing with guys like a Chapman, you know what he's going to do or like that, or like what the blue Jays faced at the end of the game in, in the Orioles closer Bautista, he's going to throw, you know, he's going to throw that hard fastball. So in a sense, you're right. Yes. The familiarity might end up hurting them, but at the same time, I feel like they know what to expect anyways. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, even if you don't use them at all, they can, then it's still kind of, I don't know if it necessarily gets rid of the familiarity as much as people expect it to, but no, I, I wouldn't be as really worried. I mean, for John Romano, it's worked from all season long. He's only had a few blips really, the entire season and he's played a lot and he's, he's done very, very well. So it's like I said, a few minutes ago, if it becomes a situation where throughout these last couple weeks of the season, if we see that, Oh, he's starting to struggle a little bit more then you get a little bit concerned. But as of right now, he has the benefit of the doubt. And I think that if anybody's going to bounce back, it's the guy that's nearly leading the entire league in saves. So not worried about this in the slightest. And at the end of the day, let's hope, Blue Jays don't even need to use them in a, in a wild card series. Let's hope they're having as big of a lead. But if they get into that situation, I'm not necessarily worried at all. I, I feel like they're definitely going to be able to rely on him. And who knows? Maybe maybe we see Ross Stripling come out. And no, I'm, I'm not, okay. We're not we're not going in the Ross Stripling <laughs> train again. No, nobody liked my prediction from last uh, last episode. But anyways, on a serious note, I'm not worried about him. But in any means, if somebody's going to bounce back. It'll be him. We know what he throws, and it, it's not anything to be worried about. And realistically, on a serious note, you do have guys in the bullpen that if things are going a little sour, if you sense it, there are guys that I think you can trust on top of Jordan Romano, like Adam Simber, like Anthony Bass, guys that are, and Yimmy Garcia, guys that have been doing this all season long. And I'm not worried in, in, in the slightest, just for the bullpen as a whole, but knowing that you have Jordan Romano there, 
you can't ask for much more. Yeah, I don't necessarily agree with the fact of uh, pretty much what you said about how teams expect or kind of just knowing what he's going to throw when basically the entire year, like you said, it has worked for him and he's thrown two pitches. But going back to what I said earlier, the usage of the slider has increased each month. So technically, he's not throwing what you thought he was throwing, I guess, at the same rate as he was a couple months ago. There was a point this year where he was throwing his fastball and slider 50-50% of the time. And as the year has gone on, like I mentioned before, the slider usage has gone up. It went to 60-40 at one, uh, one point, And I believe in September, it was at 74%. So I, I don't agree with the point of saying, oh, you know what's coming. And I do think exposure is completely... Um, a valid point in this and really it's gonna like mark you brought you brought up a good point this is something that you're gonna see with the Rays. this is something that you might see and of course the Yankees are coming to town next week you might see one of those teams again in the playoffs you most likely are gonna see or I shouldn't say most likely but there's a very good chance you see Tampa Bay in the wildcard series and I think as you expect teams to have an idea or kind of put together a game plan of course going back to what I said it's important to make adjustments and I just don't think in that Sunday game, there was really an adjustment from Romano until the damage was done. Once again, uh, they got their damage done, and then I think Romano had to kind of change things up a little bit, or he may not even have completely changed things. But pretty much when things happen early on or even entering a playoff series, you have to imagine that there's going to be some sort of tweak from him. Um, you know, because of the fact maybe they had a good game plan, maybe they had some sort of idea what he was going to throw, mix it up a bit, and the stuff that you do have, uh, it's worked all year when you pretty much have used it at different sort of rates with your fastball and slider. If you have to revert back to that at some point and throw your fastball more, um, that could definitely throw off a hitter. That could completely change an at-bat. Clearly, what he's doing with two pitches has worked. And when both are effective, when the velocity is up with the fastball, like it's been going up the, uh, since the All-Star break, you really like where you are with the fastball. And, of course, the slider's got movement when it's not flat. I think that it's just going to be key about making the adjustments and when that time comes. And maybe... You know, maybe he doesn't do that, or maybe he makes an adjustment if he gets runners on. I don't know what the mindset going into a playoff series would be like that against a, an AL East uh, opponent because of the amount of times that you've seen each other. And even going back uh, to what I said, I think another important factor is just the amount of times that you've seen the Orioles over the last couple of weeks in general. I think that definitely had something to do with it as well. Of course, um, with the Tampa Bay Rays, again, that might be a team you see early on. You might see the Yankees. So, it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of adapt to that, how they adjust to it. And I just think that's kind of why, or I think that's a, a valid reason why maybe the Orioles had a really good number on him on the weekend, despite his stuff has having, you know, just wasn't there. Because, of course, there's been times this year, once again, where his stuff hasn't been there, but he's managed to come away with the save. He's managed to come away with the clean inning. It's not like every time his stuff isn't there, he completely blows the save or blows the appearance. That's why I think that there was more to it than that. Maybe exposure was there. Of course, it's just a theory, but I do think it's a valid one. And I think the importance of making adjustments, especially in the playoff series, and even regardless of his splits or whatever it is, there's going to be adjustments in the playoffs regardless. We know how much of a different animal the playoffs are. Um, and it takes no you know, it takes no genius to know that. So that's why I think that's also an, a key factor for that down the stretch. And really, it just shows who your best players are and how much better you could be than somebody else. And Jordan Romano is on that elite level with closers. I mean, you've seen the numbers this year. You got to be comfortable where he is. You got to feel confident where he is. It was one letdown and let's hope he moves forward and just gets back, gets back on track this road trip. I want to stop ripping on Jordan Romano and kind of turn this conversation towards the positives because Jacob and I were having this conversation, I guess during Saturday's game, but I think 
Jordan Romano has been, obviously, as we've established, very good this season. And as the Blue Jays move towards the playoffs, I think he has the potential to enter a sort of legendary status area where a lot of postseason relievers go. And what I mean by this is you look back at not even just World Series winning teams in the past, but just teams that have made deep runs into the playoffs. And it seems like there's always a couple guys at the back end of their bullpen, whether it's a closer, whether it's a setup man, whether it's just someone with a lot of personality that end up like sticking in your mind and becoming essential parts of that team and really like bigger than life personas across baseball you know that that guy is at the back end of the bullpen and the example that Jacob and I were talking about were the 2015 Kansas City Royals and of course the Blue Jays had the unfortunate uh, honor of playing them in the postseason that season and obviously it didn't end up as planned but um, you look at their bullpen and it was essentially if the Royals had the lead going into the sixth inning they won because you look at the names, Wade Davis, Kelvin Herrera, and Greg Holland. Like these names are names that even years later, Jacob and I were having this conversation. We remembered Wade Davis. We remembered Greg Holland. Like these are guys who live on for years to come. And even you just look at the Braves last year. I mean, Will Smith, Tyler Matzek, these are names that people are familiar with and they kind of create a persona, bigger than life persona across baseball because of their postseason success. And I think if there's anyone on the Blue Jays who could do that, if the Blue Jays make a deep postseason run, I think Jordan Romano will become that type of legendary reliever who, you know, he's already got the intro at the Rogers Center with his music. Yeah, it's no Edwin Diaz, but it's close. Um, He's already got his quirky personality. We know he's got the squad, even though he's eliminated that. You know, there's everything about him that is just screams a guy who's going to become one of those characters And if the Blue Jays make a deep run into the playoffs, obviously there's a lot of other stuff I'm excited for. But the fact that Jordan Romano may become one of these characters, may become one of those legendary guys who lives on in the minds of fans, not even just Blue Jay fans, but across baseball for years to come, I'm really excited about that possibility if the Jays make it deep into the playoffs. See, another name that still haunts me to this day is Andrew Miller. You remember that wipeout slider just destroying the Blue Jays back in 2016. And it's true. I mean, we obviously we had this conversation. So for us, it's going to be a bit of a repeat. But it is true. This is a guy who's been fantastic all season long. And really for the past three seasons, if you want to say it now, he's been lights out for this team ever since he took over that closer role. And he's a guy that he easily could you go from just being the, Oh, he's the blue Jays closer. Nobody really knows about him, but when there's eight teams left or four teams or two teams left, and he's the one that's shutting the door. I think that he has the possibility to do that. And I think he has the possibility to be one of the better relievers. And another guy who I don't know if is, is talked about enough is Adam Simber, because you look at what he's done this season, most appearances in the majors, obviously not the most innings because he's a reliever, but most appearances in the majors ERA just above three, he's been fantastic all season long. And, you know, we talk about how the bullpen desperately needed work after last season or mid last season. And then they bring all these guys in. It's looking to be really good. Like if you have the lead after the sixth or the seventh inning, throw in Bass, throw in Simber, throw in Garcia, shut the door with Romano and the bullpen. It's to me, it's looking like it's in fantastic shape and all you need to do. I mean, first of all, you got to get to the playoffs. You have to have a lead in those games, but I feel very confident. I feel confident, especially look at the wild card series. I feel confident in the three, in the three guys that the Blue Jays would start those games. 
despite what we had last week. I feel confident in those three. I'm confident in any hitter that they can put up to at least match the opponent in the opponent's lineup. But that bullpen too, it's lights out when it, when it needs to be and when it can be. And part of it is Jordan Romano. Nobody's really been able to touch him all season long, except for a few players in a few situations. And you're now looking at the, the time where he easily could be pitching, you know, they play pretty much every day, except for travel days. He could be pitching every couple of days, which I'm sure his arm will be blown out by the end of that. But He's, he seems like the type of guy that just feeds off of that adrenaline. And when you have 50,000 people there shouting your name and just, well, I don't even know what this song is. What is the tsunami song at the, the start of his intro? But it's like a, it's a tsunami remix. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. But like, it, that should be me, the intro song this week, Mark. <laughs> like to me, that just okay. screams. Yeah. That just screams like bleep is about to get real and he's going to do what he needs to do. I wouldn't be surprised if he honestly has a deep run, like with the blue Jays and, He'll be the type of guy that, you know, we talked about previous Blue Jay closures, which some people would come out and, and just do five out saves, game five of the World Series, that big game that we all remember, five out save at the end of it. Easily, we could see things like that coming out of Jordan Romano and maybe not five out saves is ideal because eventually your arm's going to get blown He's out. He's done it but... before. If it's yeah. game seven of the World Series, you don't oh, have any games after mm-hmm. for four months. Yeah, true. But yeah, I think that if anybody is able to do that, and if any bullpen is able to do that, I think it's the Blue Jays. And all season long, and this is, I think this is the narrative for the whole team, but if they get hot at the right time, I think the Blue Jays could beat anybody in baseball. And that's just not thats not just the cocky fan in me saying that. That is the realistic fan. Like, look at this. They went on a almost winless or almost lossless road trip doing fantastic in this homestand. Like, they get hot at the right time. Watch out every other team. And, I think it just shows how deep this team is just as a whole, but you know, specifically on that bullpen, I think that if you have a lead, it almost reminds me maybe 2016 Yankees before they started trading everyone. Like if you had a lead in the sixth inning, <laughs> might as well just pack your bags and leave. Like you're winning after that point. So I'm excited to see this. I'm excited to see the playoffs and I'm excited to see what, what the heck we're going to see out of guys like Jordan Romano, because if he's hyped up after, just barely beating the Orioles in some of these games. I can't imagine how hyped up he'll be in a serious clinching game after just dominating somebody. Now that you brought that up, I'm trying to remember the the three people that the Yankees had in 2016. It was Chapman, Batances. That's who it was. Miller, Batances. Yes. And Batances is somebody who retired. So, but yeah, uh, that was ages ago. By the way, it felt like and and also on top of that, you know how how ironic. He blew his first game at Rogers Center on Sunday, but this was the first time this season where I know you guys were at the game. They actually showed him coming out to the song. Like what, you know, when Edwin Diaz comes up, they show it every time. They actually gave a good, it wasn't the entire thing, but they gave a good like two minutes of it. So I don't know. That was funny how they kind of started doing that now. Honestly, I'm kind of wondering why it's taken them so long to do it, but it's really cool with the lights and everything. And also, I don't know if you guys realize, but also Jimmy Garcia and, uh, Anthony Bass, they have the kind of their own entrances too. Now they have their own like name on the pretty much like that. And their own, like, I guess just their own video thing. But of course the lights don't go out for them, but they also have gotten their own thing from that. I don't know if you guys noticed that or not. So they're kind of loading that up for the playoffs. You like to see that Jacob, you were talking about it. Another guy like Adam Simber. Um, I think the fact is that, you know, you can use Adam Simber even better or in, in even better spots. The fact that you guys, you have guys like Anthony Bassner and you just feel like it's a deeper bullpen. And for Jordan Romano, I think you guys are bang on with it. Despite, you know, his bad day yesterday, 
throughout the entire year, and especially after that All-Star break that we keep alluding to, he has been lights out. He's been at the top of the charts in terms of, you know, saves, in terms of ERA, strikeouts, everything like that. He was an All-Star, and he really has the tools for it, and I think he's really shown that. And it really does take a different breed to be a closer, to be able to kind of just mentally prepare yourself to put the game away and all that. And they talk about it all the time with Jordan Romano on the broadcast. Obviously, we don't know him personally, but kind of the word that I guess people, I guess, around the team like to throw out is that he's the nicest guy in the world. But then come maybe the fifth, sixth, seventh inning is when the switch hits and he really gets pretty much focused into the game. And then after the game, he always has a routine where he always gets, he does the same thing after every appearance where he gets a massage and it's pretty much a superstitious thing from him. So like I said, it takes a different breed to be able to do that. You have to be strong mentally to do that. And that's also why as much as, you know, he probably felt really down yesterday in that Sunday game about the way the game ended. You have to imagine he's itching to get back out there. And hopefully that comes tomorrow night on Tuesday for him to bounce back. But all year he's been like that. He has the tools to do that. You still feel confident, especially can in a playoff game, especially at Rogers Center with that light show in a playoff game, the place would pretty much go electric. And it, as it already kind of does when he comes out to begin with. So and I like how the broadcast starts to show him coming out now in terms of during the uh, commercial break. So I hope that's permanent, and um, we'll see what happens with that. But you guys are also talking about that Kansas City Royals bullpen in 2015. I mean, you guys are spot on with that. They had those basically one, two, three guys late in the game. You talked about Andrew Miller in 2016, Jacob. I had the pleasure of watching the Jays season end in front of him when he pretty much dominated us like he was our father. Um, that really sucked in terms of watching that. But really, that's – when you're a fan of that, like that's pure domination. And that's why I think if you guys, if you have guys like Garcia, uh, if you guys have Bass, of course, setting up Romano, you feel really good about that. And they definitely do have the potential to be like that. This went from a weakness to a strength in terms of where they are as a whole, not just Jordan Romano, the ERA in terms of bullpen ERA is top in the American league, I think over the last couple of months. So they have the tools to do it. They've turned it around really well and credit to them as much as we didn't think they did enough with the trade deadline. Despite that, they still increased that bullpen and they still added to it. And really it's paid off getting a guy like Anthony Bass and really just extending the depth, being able to use Adam Simber in certain situations where, you know, for a guy who's a very different pitcher than Anthony Bass in terms of velocity and all of that, you really like, you really like where you are when you pick your spots for a guy like Adam Simber. And even for Anthony Bass, on the other hand, and Jimmy Garcia has been that eighth inning guy all season uh, when I guess the bullpen's pretty much all rested. So you like where that stands. They have the potential to do it, Jacob. You talk about it all the time. It's not questioning that. It's questioning if they can do it at the right time. Like we've failed to see at certain points this year, but credit to them in the month of September, they've really had a way to put things together right now at the right time, especially, and we talked about individual guys like Bo Bichette. You need Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to heat up. George Springer's heating up as, despite his two bad elbows now. So you really like to, when if everything clicks at the same time at the right time, you really got to like your chances heading into the postseason, especially if you're that first AL wildcard team. Well, let's talk about that because another interesting conversation that came out of this weekend, um, we ended up grabbing dinner with a couple of our friends from Toronto Blue Jays memes on Instagram. Hey, you guys and... go away. I missed out. <laughs> this is what you get for not showing up to a couple games. Um, the conversation that we had was what seed should the Blue Jays be in the wild card? And we know this has been a conversation for a while and we've talked about it before, but it's really coming to the front of our attention right now because it is a very pressing problem or issue, if you want to call it that, that the Blue Jays are presented with because if you are the first wildcard team, 
life is good, you play at home. If you're the second wild card team, life is terrible, you play on the road, and you face the number one wild card team. If you're the third wild card team, you play on the road, but you face the winner of the AL Central, which is going to be the Cleveland Guardians at this point. So there's a couple different scenarios. The conversation that we were having at dinner was that the Blue Jays should be the number three seed because it's better than the number one seed. What they were saying, what Bree and Scott were saying, was that if you're the number three seed, yes, you play on the road, but you're playing Cleveland, and then if you win the wild card series, you go on to the division series, and you don't face the Astros, you face the Yankees, who are, by all accounts and purposes, a weaker team at this moment. I disagree with this. I think having home field advantage in the wild card series is enough of an incentive, enough of a bonus for the Blue Jays that it overrides any bonus you get from facing either Cleveland in the wildcard series or the Yankees in the division series. I think the Blue Jays would be better off to be the home team, play at the Rogers Center, get those three wildcard games over and done with, and then consider the problem of the division series against the Astros because you are going to have to cross that bridge at one point or another, whether it is in the division series, whether it's in the the championship series, odds are the Astros are going to be playing in that series. So whether you're on one side of the bracket or another, whether you're on one seeding stream or another, you're going to have to play the Astros at some point. I don't think it's worth delaying it to the championship series and playing on the road for the wildcard series. And plus, an added bonus, if the wildcard series is at home, we all get to go to the games and cheer the Blue Jays on in person and be part of that atmosphere. So those are the reasons why I personally would like the Blue Jays to be the first wildcard team. I think that's the best-case scenario, and I think third wildcard team is not a great scenario for the Blue Jays to be in. I'm interested in hearing what you guys think, which spot you would choose if you had your pick in the wild card in terms of postseason seeding. Well, two things. And I'm just going to say them quickly because you just said them. You're going to face these good teams regardless of whether you're the third seed or you're the first seed eventually. You want to win the World Series? Most likely going to have to play the Dodgers, the Astros, Yankees. It's it's going to happen at some point. You know, and the other thing, you want home field advantage. Like, I okay, I'd love to sweep Cleveland but I'd also love to sweep the Astro or the sweep the Mariners or sweep the Rays at home or something like that. Okay. Even if they don't sweep, I would love to see them play at home because you got to remember the Blue Jays made the playoffs in 2020, but they played in Tampa Bay, which is probably the worst ballpark in the, in the majors with with zero fans. But anyways, my point is, is they haven't had a home playoff game. None of the players on the current roster have had a home playoff game. which just proves to you how long it's been since they did it. And, and so this, you got to have home field advantage. And I don't think that uh, nobody's going to admit to losing to try to get to the third spot. But if somebody actually has that idea, they're they're getting thrown out of the clubhouse. I, I think you need to win. You need to go and you need to get that home field advantage. Even if it is a harder opponent now, because realistically, you're going to have a harder opponent down the line. And home field advantage is, I think if you're the Blue Jays, you have 50,000 people there. Home field advantage could be the difference maker. 
they're a good team. Let's not forget about that. But I, I do think that home field advantage would, would bring a lot more than people are expecting. And there's still going to be a lot of people cheering, whether you're on the road, whether you're at home, but it's just, there's a different vibe when you are at home and when you know that everybody's cheering for you. And we saw what happened in the home opener. You remember that, like that was a game they were down and out and they just clawed away, clawed away, came back in. And we all saw the reactions when that, that safe call was made. Like the blue Jays want to see that the players want to see that. And everybody wants to see that again. And there's no doubt in my mind that the first wild card has to be what you go for. And best part is, is it's not like they're on the outside looking in. They still have that, spot if i'm remembering correctly they do have as i'm looking right now yeah they still have a game and a half lead as of 10 o'clock at night you need to take this you need to you need to take this and run with it yeah if they make the third i'll i won't be terribly angry they'll still be in a playoff spot but home field advantage the rogers center ross stripling in game one that has to be the 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 mindset going forward and I'm gonna be honest, Mark. I completely forgot about this conversation for a few minutes. You I was had like, to throw it. You had to throw. Yes, that I, did. There, I, did. Right? I did. I did. Yeah. I did. Okay. I did. I did. I did. Anyways, <laughs> but yes, no. This is the home field advantage. Like, can you imagine Friday, Saturday, Sunday? That would be like the the most crazy weekend I think in Toronto since the Raptors it's Thanksgiving won. weekend as well. Oh man, even more of a reason to have turkeys home field everywhere. Advantage. <laughs> imagine you're just outside the street. Someone throws a turkey when they win. I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that, but <laughs> there, you you want to see a home field advantage. I don't think a single soul wants to see them on the road if they don't have to be. I don't know how throwing a turkey came to your mind, but second of all, just well, you see clear. things thrown around all the time. Like we were at the game and some guy like yeeted a bag of popcorn when something happened. He threw a bag of popcorn. Okay, yeah, bag of, okay, yes, whatever. Okay, I've and seen worse. Of all, popcorn is very different than a live turkey. <laughs> I'm not saying a live turkey. I'm saying oh, you cook like it. Okay, you put stuffing turkey, in it. <laughs> you put stuffing. In. Just bring one to the game, okay. man. They'll let you. Yeah, they'll let you bring it in. Uh, okay, yeah, enough so, of that conversation. I don't know where I was going. Let's just, throw, let's just add that your little Ross stripling thing. That's not confirmed, people. That's, that's again, keeping. Jacob's that's staying. That is staying. That is staying. It's not a bad take. It's not because it's not going to happen. Anyways. Look, I, I but here's the thing. It's a section 138 sweep because how can you possibly play to be the third seed? You it, Home field advantage, how do you turn down home field advantage? And I completely agree. I don't care about, oh, if you play this, look who you're avoiding in the, the, uh, the DS round. You can pretty much hold them off to the CS. No, it's that teams that win championships, you go through these teams no matter what round it's in. And I can't believe I'm going to be Jacob here and use a hockey ver- reference, but the same thing happens in all the other sports with the Leafs. I mean, you look at last year, I the same argument happened last year. But what I'm saying is it happens in every sport about, oh, who would you rather play? Here would you rather play? You play the team, you just play, and you're going to play any of these teams regardless, okay? And that's really the reality of it. You can't turn down home field advantage. I'm sorry. That that would be I, – I just – I have a hard time sticking with that, and I understand that's an opinion. However, I will say this – is the third seed is more appealing than the second seed. I think that if they're not going to get the first seed, I would completely be fine with the third seed. But as of now, you're playing to be that first wild cards team, and you really have the opportunity to do it. It was a really good weekend for you. And, of course, shout-out to the Detroit Tigers for winning today over the Baltimore Orioles, even though we discussed that, Mark. You were the first one to say it. Their season's done. And second of all, the Houston Astros, more importantly, beating the Tampa Bay Rays 4 nothing, gaining a half a game on them, other than the Mariners, but of course, you had a good weekend with them anyway. 
you got to like that. You still have the opportunity to do it. You have one more head-to-head with them this weekend, but of course you don't want to get ahead of yourself because you got the Phillies for two games who are also fighting for a wild-card spot. But you play to be the first seed. I'm sorry. I understand that this, that's an opinion about finishing third and the benefits of finishing third. And of course, I guess I'll be the, the guy that is the optimistic one. The AL East is still technically not over with the Yankees coming to town. So if that's overrun, or that there's of course that could change everything too, but at this point, you just got to find, keep doing what you're doing and win games. And the fact that you're doing that, it's paid off for them uh, over the course of the month. You keep doing it, and you're really going to like your chances and where you stand in the next couple of weeks. As you get to, as you get closer, once again, you can that then you can start looking at the schedule, and then you can start lining up your pitchers for that wild card series, no matter who it is. Of course, for Manoa and Gosman, game one and game two, and we'll see what happens the rest of the way. Okay. Um... You mentioned the AL East. I want to get to that before we get to series predictions. What do you think the chances are of a Blue Jays run to win the AL East this late in the season? I'll put it at 5%. I'm interested in hearing your thoughts quickly. Okay, that was a little pessimistic compared to what I was thinking. I'm going to say... Okay, but look at it this way. The Yankees have turned their season around. They no longer suck as much, anywhere near as much as they used to. And the Blue Jays are still trailing by, I don't know what it is right now, five and a half? Okay. Yeah, you're looking at five and a half games over 15 games left in the season, thereabouts. And yeah, you have three games head-to-head, but the Yankees are playing well right now. So I don't know. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, yeah I think I'm going to put it at 10%, but... I still don't think it's necessarily going to happen. Like it's a 90% chance that they're hosting the wild card game, which not a bad option. Like I said, I'll um, just looking at the schedule the rest of the way. I'll, I'll give it a, I'll give it a 30%. I'll be even more optimistic 30. than you guys. The head to head matchup that they have. Wow. It, yeah. I'll give it 30%. You got a head to head matchup. If you sweep them, then you're what you're two games back. And that's without the series this weekend, everything's got to go well. The Yankees are playing good, but so are the Jays. And I think that's an important factor to give, to increase their likelihood if they weren't playing again for the rest of the year, I think Holy I'd be cow. right there with you at five. That's really high. I think it's fair. Thirty percent. It's still not there. It's not. It's not as. It's kind of low. I really it's don't not see as low it as you guys, though. I just think it's such a small chance. Like if the Yankees were still playing the way they were a week or two ago, yeah, like the Blue Jays have those odds. But because the Yankees are now seem to have their crap together and seem to have a little bit of their mojo back, I just. I don't see it happening, unfortunately. I'd love for it to happen. You would love to get a wild card by and then be hosting the ALDS for at least three of five games, but I just don't see it happening. Um, okay, two games against Philadelphia. You mentioned it, Bryson. Philadelphia is also fighting for a wild card, wild card spot right now. They just got swept by the Braves, I believe, over the weekend. So they're not too hot right now, but... They're in the thick of it for the NL wildcard, so they're going to be hungry. The Blue Jays, we know, are hungry, and they're hot. Two games, what are your predictions? Also, I should mention the pitching matchup on Wednesday, Gosman versus Zach Wheeler. Phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, game one, it's uh, your boy Ross Stripling. I think that he... uh, I think he's going to deliver a quality start. I mean, you know, you mentioned it. The Phillies obviously aren't kicking as well as they used to be, but... I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know where I'm going with these analogies. Anyways, um, I wouldn't be surprised if they 
sweep this series. You know, it's two games. It's either you sweep or you, or you split, but or or get swept. But I think that you take game one. The Zach Wheeler one's going to be a little bit more tough, but as especially after the Kevin Gosman start last time. But I'll take I'll take a sweep. I think that a sweep isn't an unlikely scenario given the circumstances. I look at this entire week, and you see that you got two in Philly, you have four in Tampa. How many wins would you be ideal with, no matter where they came from? I, I think around four wins is what I'm looking at this week. Uh, but for this series, of course, in particular, it's a two-game series. It's tough. Of course, Jacob's game one starter, Ross Stripling's pitching. And Kevin Gosman's pissed off. I mean, he had a really bad – or he, he had a poor start the last time around. you got to imagine he's going to try and clean things up. And he also pitches better when he's away from Rogers Center. That's kind of a weird split that's been happening this year. I'll say they I'll say they sweep as well. I think they take two, two from Philadelphia. One thing I want to say, why would you have Kevin Gosman start game one of the wild card series if he's Jacob, not going to this home? Is okay, fine, 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 fine. We've been over this. Um, go interest, Go listen to last time's episode, episode 229, probably about the 40-minute mark. And you'll see what we're talking about. Um, I'm going to go split. I think the, I, even though Philadelphia is not great right now, even though they just got swept, they're fighting for a wild card spot and they are only two games above the Milwaukee Brewers. Probably about to be two and a half because it looks like the Brewers are going to lose tonight. But never underestimate a team's appetite to win when they have their backs against the wall. And I think... I have faith in the Phillies that they're going to pick it up a little bit and improve. So that's what I'm going with. I'm saying a split. They probably, I think they lose a Gosman game, win the Stripling game. I'll say that. Um, Okay, that is it for today. Thank you to everyone who tuned in to this episode of Section 138. As always, you can support our podcast by going to patreon.com slash section 138 pod. You can also check us out on social media. That's at Section138Pod. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. We're also on YouTube. You can subscribe, and you can give us a rating and review wherever you find your podcast. We'll be back at the end of this quick two-game series against Philadelphia. Hopefully, lots of stuff to talk about. We'll catch you there.